0: In this bitch another podcast for that ass another grito se ha dicho coming about a week's time now since our last podcast on some project Bluebeam shit and getting ready to get back in the mix with some more of that niche shit right now before i continue you already know the deal shout out to all you motherfuckers that have been listening to this who stay listening to this shit On the YouTubes, on the apps, on the gram, whatever the case might be. I appreciate the fuck out of it, dog. Believe, okay? Speaking of the socials, at least. The Instagram, most specifically. Because, you know, I don't really fucks with the other ones. But, OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on the gram. You know what it is. You can follow your boy along if you'd like and keep up with some shit that I talk about offsite about this podcast, but, you know, outside of it, uh, additional complimentary shit, you know what I mean? For those of you who've only come in along via YouTube or the uh, the podcast apps, and for those of you who are, you know, just uh, tuning in through the, the social medias, what's well, good, fam? I see you, you know what I mean? I'll keep slicing and dicing these fucking clips up so that you can continue to, you know, enjoy for the, you know, the, the podcast along with us, you know what I mean? Anyways... I got a lot to get through today so I'm going to just jump right into it, dog. Picking up on the Nietzschean shit, okay? Specifically, today I wanted to discuss the doctrine of eternal recurrence. It's one of those um it's one of those Nietzschean ideas, this doctrine of eternal recurrence that I feel doesn't get enough love, right? I mean, there's people that have talked about it. Don't get me twisted, I'm not going to come up here and talk you know front like I'm teaching you some shit that you ain't probably never heard of. I'm just saying that me personally, I feel as though this doctrine doesn't get enough love in Nietzschean philosophy, and understandably so. It's usually overshadowed by what many people consider to be the culmination of his philosophy, and that is the Ubermensch, right? Many people consider the Ubermensch to be the culmination of his philosophy, but the funny shit is, dog, that Nietzsche himself he considered it to be the doctrine of eternal recurrence. Okay, that the you know the Ubermensch culminated in the, his entire philosophy with the doctrine of eternal recurrence, okay? And um, because of this, I know that, you know, if you've you've been following along sequentially, given the niche shit that I've been discussing since the start of the new year, uh, I I keep saying that I'm going to talk about the Ubermensch. I'm going to talk about the Ubermensch, And I guess I give the impression that it's going to happen in the next episode. But um, it's coming soon, right? And uh, the reason it's not this one particular episode is because I personally, me personally, I feel that, in order, even though the culmination of Nietzschean philosophy is with the doctrine of eternal recurrence, I personally feel as though it helps to situate the Ubermensch with the doctrine of eternal recurrence. So you like to, I like to ground the Ubermensch in the doctrine of eternal recurrence because it helps me at least. Okay, um, so yeah, I like to start with the Ubermensch and use it as the grand crescendo of his thought, right? And then move, you know. Uh, then move on to some of his more minor thoughts that get completely get uh, looked over because of how you know prominent these two one particular thoughts are, right? So um, that's going to be this podcast today. I wanted to talk about the doctrine of eternal recurrence in the G thought, but more importantly, because the doctrine of eternal eternal recurrence it's, it's a pretty small idea. I mean, it's a pretty small piece of his work, even though it's the culmination. He considered it the culmination of his work. It doesn't really constitute a lot of his work. It's such a it's a, such a succinct idea. You know, that was whole, Nietzsche's whole shit. Write uh, complex ideas in a very simplistic term. And, you know, the doctrine of eternal recurrence is no is no difference, okay? So, I mean, I could get through a doctrine of recurrence, eternal recurrence in like 15, 20 minutes and then explain it, you know what I mean? But uh, I, I felt as though, I felt a lot of things, though. I'm just going to be honest with you. And it's going to be the fucking, I guess, the point of this episode to try to draw them out, right? And, uh... It's not just the eternal recurrence shit. It's the shit that I, you know, been going through in my own personal life because I like to demonstrate how the philosophy that we're teaching, how it applies in a personal manner, bro. And when I personally was sitting down to write this shit, I, I just it, it resonated very deeply, Doug. And the podcast kind of just it kind of took over to that side, right? So I guess rather than continue talking about it, let's just get straight into it, right? So essentially what this doctrine of eternal recurrence states is that every single event. And every sequence of events repeats itself in an infinite number of times. So that's the basic gist of this argument, right? This idea that there's a, a finite amount of possibilities in an infinite amount of time. And that because of that, eventually, uh, the finite amount of possibilities are going to run their course, at which point, ideally, they will repeat again since they have uh, the in, you know, eternality of time in which to do so, right? So um, the importance of this doctrine for Nietzschean philosophy as a whole, dog, as a whole, it lies in its appropri- an appropriation of, uh, uh, it's a test, okay? It's uh, The importance of it uh, rests in the importance of it as a test, okay? And the test here being specifically for the merit of one's life, your life, my life, etc. You know what I mean? It's a test that we administer to ourselves. So uh, specifically, it's going to be a test about to determine whether or not we're living the ideal life that we potentially, you know, value, and I say we potentially, because obviously, you know, a recurring theme through both this Nietzschean and Nahua philosophy that I've been talking about is the subjectivity of it all, right? The idea here specifically being that uh, what I can handle psychologically is going to probably vary differently from every other person on this planet. You know what I mean? And that because of that, it's, you know, this is not a test, a one-size-fits-all test. It's got to be undertaken individually in the sense that, as, you know, we come to see with this at the culmination of this podcast— the ultimate, you know, uh, merit of the ideal life is based upon whether or not the tests, you know, these psychological tests that we engage in, are set, are, that are 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 manageable on our behalf. Because if it's filled with more of those psychological a failure of those psychological tests, that means like you know we're causing ourselves pain, if you will, then it's not really going to be an ideal life. You know what I mean? Because it's going to be filled with just pain and suffering. So, anyways, um. For Nietzsche, this ideal life obviously it culminates with that of the Ubermensch, okay. And uh, specifically, more specific in this particular sense, the Ubermensch, according to Nietzsche, is going to be that person which treats the prospect of eternal recurrence with delight, right? And uh, it's the delight part that really always sticks with me, bro. Like I, whenever I'm, you know, facing just some overall life shit in general, I always consider to myself like, and I, I, I generally frame it in, in, in terms of the doctrine of eternal recurrence. Which is funny because I would do so probably like you too, long before I even learned about the doctrine of eternal recurrence. You know what I mean? And uh, what I mean by that is like, I would imagine if I would have to live this moment forever, for all of eternity, an infinite and many number of times. You know what I mean? And then consider basically whether that'd be a joyous proposition or a fucking terrifying proposition right and that's the general idea because ideally here if it's if you're gonna if you're gonna repeat it infinitely many number of times and it's terrifying like that that's that's very difficult that's very difficult to you know deal with psychologically and um, that's the basic idea that Nietzsche's gonna get at here with this doctrine of eternal recurrence. He's actually got this one great passage, I believe me personally that you know he explicates this point so beautifully dog in my personal opinion honestly, it's one of the most impactful and beautiful works of not just philosophy, bro, but of literature that's ever been written, right? I'm obviously a Nietzschean fanboy, so, you know, obviously I'm going to fucking, you know, just stand over that kind of shit. But it really is, man. And um, it's, you know, it's so beautiful to me that every time, I, every time I teach this shit, The Eternal Recurrence, I don't even bother trying to paraphrase it, bro, because of how eloquent I believe it is. I read that shit fucking word for word, bar for bar, son. You know what I mean? And I guess right now it should be no different, given the fact that I am talking about it. And it is the fucking, you know, it's, it, it's the passage that contains the idea of eternal recurrence. So Nietzsche tells us what if a demon crept after thee into thy loneliest, uh, uh, sorry, thy, thy loneliness someday or night, and to thee said, This life, as thou livest at the present and has lived it, thou must live it once more and also innumerable times, and there will be nothing new in it. But every pain and every joy and every thought and every sigh and every or and all the unspe- unspeakably small and great in thy life must come to thee again and all in the same series of sequences. And similarly, this spider and this moonlight among the trees, and similarly, this moment and I myself, the eternal sand glass of existence, will ever be turned over once more and thou with it, thou speck of dust. Wouldst thou not throw thyself down, and gnash thy teeth, and curse the demon that so spoke, spake? Or hast thou once experienced a tremendous moment in which thou would answer him? Thou art a god, and never did I hear anything so divine. If that thought acquired power over thee as thou art, it would transform thee, and perhaps crush thee. The question with regard to all and everything, dost thou want this once more, and so for innumerable times? would lie as the heaviest burden on thy activity? Or how wouldst thou have to become favorably inclined to thyself and to life, so as to long for nothing more adamantly than for this last eternal sanctioning and sealing? So again, a very poetic, aphoristic way to just basically convey the idea that, imagine you're visited by this fucking demon. You know, he calls it a demon because of the spectrum of the idea that it introduces, but you're in, you're, you know, not in the Christian, not in the Christian sense of what I'm trying to say. Um, but, uh, this demon comes to us and it just gives us the fucking, it gives us the truth, dog. Like, imagine this life that you're going through right now, you're going to live it an infinitely many number of times. How are you going to react? Are you going to react with fucking sorrow and dread and terror because of how miserable your life has been so far up to this point? Or are you going to fucking jump up with joy and fucking proclamation and, you know, with, with glee, knowing full well that you're going to get the opportunity to, you know, live this life And all the joys and all the sorrows and all the heartbreaks and all the great stuff that's happened infinitely many number of times, right? If you are of the latter, then you are more so inclined towards this Ubermensch that he believes to be the ideal life, right? That this test of eternal recurrence helps us measure, okay? So again, the key word here is delight, homie. And when we sit down on this word, and you know, me personally, when I was, as I was sitting down with not just this word, but this statement, uh, you know, I, every time, like, it just never fails, dog. It hits me how deep this shit really is, homie. Um, there's that great Kierkegaard quote where he talks about how the mass of men live lives of quiet desperation. That's the same shit, you know what I mean? I talked about it before. Nietzsche and Kierkegaard are basically the same philosophers, so it's like, it shouldn't be, you know, that that surprising that they're conveying the same idea, right? In this particular sense, he's explicitly, he's putting us on blast, yo, for for basically for faking the funk, you know what i mean? And jeopardizing the opportunity that we have at you know at every chance, at every moment in this life to make something of it, homie. I know me personally there's still shit to this day that i think to myself like, man, i really wish i could do that. But then i think to myself already how old i am and i'm just like, man, i should have done that shit when i was, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, not when i'm 35 years old. It's too late for me already. You know what i mean? But that's bullshit, dog. Like, I could fucking start that shit right here today. There's no no time like the present. In fact, if we're going to follow this Nietzschean philosophy to a fucking T, there is only the present. So it doesn't really matter if I'm fucking 13 years old or 35 years old. You know, you could still pick up that hobby that you've always wished to yourself that you could do and get cracking on it, dog. You know what I mean? Because, again, there is no distinction between the time. It's just the present moment that we have now. Right? So, um... In that particular respect, the same is true about trying to, you know, draw our lives, if you will, out of that pit, let's say, of nihilistic despair in this particular instance at every moment that we have. You know, it's it's a daunting battle, but it's one that we have the opportunity to do so at every single moment, every single day, every single fucking whatever, dog. There's no need to wait until Monday to start that New Year's resolution type shit. There's no need to start till January 1st to start that New Year's resolution type shit. You know what I mean? Because it's all the same moment. Um, and with the idea here being is that understanding the tremendous weight that this choice, you know, care that, that it carries, that it bears on it. And the choice is that doing so, you know, or not doing so, will make the difference between whether or not we jump for joy or whether we fucking break down on the ground and start in, in tears and start weeping when a demon comes to us in our loneliest of lonelies and tells us that this life that we are living as we're living now with every single moment is going to repeat an infinitely number of times. You know what I mean? So, in that respect, again, this fucking Nietzschean idea of eternal recurrence, you know, it, it's, it's it's an ethical, it's an ethical dilemma, dog, all right? And obviously for Nietzsche that implies aesthetic because as we've discussed before, ethics are an aesthetic for Nietzsche in terms of how we live our life. But um, it's an ethical imperative, more importantly, I would say. The application thereof, right? Because this doctrine itself lays the foundation for all the important choices, the moral choices that we're going to make regarding our life, okay? Now, um, despite the fact that it is an ethical theory, it's still defended on metaphysical grounds, okay? And uh, the metaphysical grounds, they were influenced by the popular physics of Nietzsche's time. He got really deep into the physics of his fucking generation. Like, you know, this was 19... No, he died in 19th century. It was 18th century Europe, dog. He died, you know, right, right, at like that, right at the turn of the 1900s, 1902, I believe, 1903. Sometime like that, you know what I mean? So... um, he was deeply influenced by the fucking physics about that time when he, was rec- when he was establishing this doctrine of eternal recurrence, right? And thus the basic, even though it's not physics, it's uh, in physics in terms of like Newton and shit, it's still, it's metaphysics, you know what I mean? In terms of like the possibilities of all possible worlds type deal, wrestling with this idea of infinite and what it entails, the infinite possibilities and all that kind of shit, you know what I mean? Uh the, the, the multitude of, you know, uh, infinite universes given within the u- infinity, right? And because of that, that's what I mean when I say that his argument is, is, is grounded in metaphysical terms, okay? So the basic structure, I guess, if you will, rests on the three premises that are based, again, on the physics of his time. And the first premise is the, it's simply the law of conservation of energy, right? And it tells us that the amount of energy uh, in the universe is fixed and finite. OK, the second premise that it rests on is the idea that the number of possible energy states in the universe is also finite. Now, I'll, def- I'll, uh, I'll define these energy states here shortly, but I'll finish first with a third and last premise, and that is that time is infinite. OK, from this, Nietzsche is going to argue that every event, dark, every configuration of energy state, if you will, OK? They will recur infinitely many number of times, right? Because again, there's only a finite amount of possibilities. Uh, When I was writing this, I I I couldn't help but think about the crab specifically. For those of you who are like who know a little bit about the crab, you'll know that this motherfucker has gone extinct multiple times. Yeah, it's gone extinct and re-evolved back into existence multiple times, and every single time it keeps re-evolving back into its current form, time and time again, which leads a lot of fucking scientists to believe that perhaps that is like the ideal form of creation is the fucking crab. Pretty funny shit, honestly, when you sit down and think about it. This shit is called um, carcinization, dog. And you know, it's just fucking a trip, how animals they keep, how this shit just keeps re-evolving back into existence and scientists have no idea why. Which if you ask fucking edgy shit posters like myself, the fucking idea is simple is that the crab is the peak of, of evolution, right? Everything after that is just a fucking mistake, homie. Um, Uh, that's just a joke obviously it's just a stupid fucking joke anyways uh and going back to the Nietzschean philosophy uh the same for him he's going to argue is that every finite sequence of energy states repeated you know uh, will repeat I should say right uh and that includes one's life which is you know relatively short and it's a short fucking it's a short sequence of energy states bro and because of that, they're going to recur infinitely many times over and over and that they already have. You know what I mean? So this is, you know, I don't know, man. This is like just just tripping out on it because this is why I fucks with Nichi, dog. And uh, because realistically, this is nothing more than the Nawa telling us thousands of years ago that Deot was this fucking sacred, vivifying energy that, you know, manifested itself in, in a multitude of forms infinitely with, you know... And that, take, and that it took fucking boundless number of shapes, right? And forms, including humans, trees, et cetera, and the like. And this is essentially akin to what it is that Nietzsche is telling us. For him, it's not going to be so much in terms of, you know, manifesting itself so much as the sequential number of events that our lives are going to, you know, possibly partake in. But the idea is, is it, it, it's, it's, it's similar nonetheless, you know what I mean? In that this is an infinitely recurring cycle, And as we're going to come to find here shortly, it doesn't have a fucking predetermined beginning or end point, okay? Another thing that I personally find interesting about this doctrine of eternal recurrence is that what's interesting is that, you know, it actually holds its own weight when it's placed against, like, Newtonian physics and shit, dog. In fact, despite the fact that, you know, thermodynamics came after Nietzsche died, this doctrine of eternal recurrence, it closely resembles the considerably more complicated scientific theories of thermodynamics, yo. And then I guess most importantly, it's that as a thought experiment, you know, it, I don't know. The reason I keep emphasizing the the scientific element is because there's some who try to knock this doctrine of eternal recurrence as being fucking somehow irrelevant because it's, according to them, non-scientific, but it's not true. Like it's clearly fucking. <laughs> it's got justification in the realms of physics, not fucking direct, but very closely. You know what I mean? For one, for two, perhaps most importantly, it's a fucking thought experiment, homie. Okay, and you know it doesn't necessarily need to make have, or rather, it doesn't necessarily need to have a sound scientific foundation to make an impactful point. You know what I mean? We've already seen that shit with the example of the fucking fat man in the trolley, dog. Like, obviously, that's not fucking rooted in reality, but it allows us, again, as I mentioned before, to think about ideas that we normally wouldn't be able to otherwise. You know what I mean? And uh, as an ethical issue, then, it's, you know, there, 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 there needs to be no more justification for it than how it applies to us in a perhaps practical manner. I don't fucking give a fuck. If Isaac Newton can justify the doctrine of eternal recurrence, I care that it could fucking, you know, help me consider the choices that I'm making now in my life as to whether they're, you know, of of merit or value or perhaps even of importance, whether they're worthy of my energy at that given time or not. You know what I mean? So, you know, the basic gist here being because, as you know, this is the foundation for the Ubermensch, dog. And if the Ubermensch is the ideal for the perfect life, Then And if that life must resemble this fucking great work of art, then every action that I engage in must be intentional, bro. You know what I mean? The same way that a a great work of art doesn't have too many brushstrokes or too few brushstrokes. It has just the fucking right amount. You know what I mean? It doesn't have too many details. It doesn't have an overabundance of details. It has just the right amount. And as a hypothetical ethical thought experiment, this doctrine of eternal recurrence allows us to fucking set the, uh, 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 to frame, if you will, the issues that are the, the, the the events that we're going to engage in and determine which one of these are the perfect stroke, if you will, that I should engage in while creating this, you know, grand piece of work uh, of my life. You know what I mean? Because these strokes, these brush strokes matter, dog. They're, the you know, when you're, when you're creating a painting, every choice has to be intentional. And even the ones that are seemingly fucking, you know, uh, even the most seemingly inconsequential can serve to distract or perhaps, you know, take away from a great piece of art, right? So in that particular sense then, this recurrence, realistically, it acts as a test for perfection, basically, okay? And uh, it's from here where we get to start to see just how daunting the task of the Ubermensch truly truly is, you know what I mean? Because it magnifies infinitely every moment of boredom, every moment of despair, every moment of frustration, homie. These are all amplified, again, infinitely by this doctrine. Uh, The test itself, you know, it lies in this magnification, particularly of faults which may be easily ignored. You know what I mean? Take boredom, for instance, dog. That's a fault. Don't get it twisted. By absolute fucking no stretch of the imagination, is Nietzsche a fan of boredom? You know what I mean? And it's something, you know, he's got interesting views on boredom, dog. But one of the more interesting ones is perhaps that he tells us that it's something that even the gods struggle with. You know what I mean? That humans were only created, for instance, man specifically, was only created because God itself got bored. You know what I mean? And then from there, everything else was created because even man eventually got bored. And then, you know, animals and women and all that kind of shit comes uh, afterwards. And it's all because of boredom, according to Nietzsche. You know what I mean? But um, in the sense of being a fault is because you got to, again, contextualize it in terms of who Nietzsche was as a person and who he was, was a sickly motherfucker who had this grand inspiration. You know and he wanted? He was a grand philosopher and he had a lot of ideas that he wanted to write down, but he's fucking struck ill by this fucking sickness and he doesn't have much time to be able to do so. So the time that he does have at his dispense, it's very precious to him because, it you know, he understands it as being fleeting in the sense that he might be healthy now, but eventually... His illness is going to fucking flare up again, and he's going to be incapacitated for days and weeks on end, right? So this idea of boredom is like, what? What, the, what do you mean you're bored, dog? Like this is a precious moment that you have right now to go off and do some shit that you're otherwise never going to be afforded the opportunity to ever do so ever again. The same here being with like laziness and all that other kinds of fucking vices that keep us, you know, from engaging in these actions that ideally help us paint, they're the brush strokes that paint for us the fucking grand work of art that we hope our life to become. Anyways, for now, the importance of understanding the emphasis or the doctrine of the eternal recurrence is on the emphasis of the present moment, dog. So I mean this is, you know, typical existentialist shit right here. Okay. Not concerning ourselves with the past or the future, not rationalizing our actions in accordance to either. But focusing on the here and now, bro, the here and now, because this is all that we have at any given moment. doesn't matter if it is in the fucking actual past or the present. You know what I mean? Um, the here and now is all that we have, okay? So, um, I know, like, for me personally, a great example of this that really resonated with me was when I was going through graduate school, okay? It's just school in general, dog. I've always hated school. I've always been good at school, but I've always fucking hated it. You know what I mean? It's just so tedious and boring. Um, And... I find this to also be the case with my current students, which is why I fucking, this is why I bring up the school example. You know what I mean? Um, specifically for me, I would justify the current unhappiness, the boredom and the tediousness and the just fucking anger that, especially graduate school, dog, that that kind of shit would cause. You know what I mean? That, you know, that, that the school would cause me. And I would justify it by just considering the potential future outcome of my of, of, of doing so. Typical, just suck it up, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you know, buckle down and get it shit done. You know what I mean? It it, it it has a, it can get a lot of shit done. It can get a lot of shit done, that attitude. I'm not going to knock it, you know what I mean? But it does come at a price. It does come at a price, okay? And uh, for me, you know, I sure as fuck did that through graduate school, dog. And, you know, even though school itself, again, was easy for me, I'm telling you, man, I fucking hated every moment of it. And despite the outright anger and hatred that I had for it, no matter how unhappy it made me, bro, at the moment, I I always would just grin and bear it because I would just justify it in terms of the future benefit. Now, to be fair, obviously I've been teaching philosophy, you know, professionally for almost, well, seven years now, okay? So uh, the, the, the wager, I guess, if you will, proved to be fairly true in the sense that, yeah, I did fucking have to suck it up for like five, six years, but it was ideally worth it because now I get to teach philosophy or whatever. You know what I mean? But... That's only in retrospect, dog. And, you know, like Kierkegaard tells us, life is only understood backwards. We have to live that shit forward. And in this case, what it means is that I sacrificed a lot of time, bro, to be, I'm not trying to lament. I'm not trying to be like, "Whoa, is I type shit, but I'm telling you like, yeah, it was a sacrifice, bro. And not just me, you too. You know what I mean? Like you've got a passion project and it's, you know, maybe you're the one in school. Maybe you're the one in work and maybe you're the one thinking about how the potential future benefits outweigh the, you know, the current moment. You know what I mean? But, and if that's the case, like me, you're also gonna have to sacrifice a lot of time and a lot of energy in school and work and whatever it is that you feel is important in your life. You know what I mean? And it's energy that could be directed towards other, more perhaps important shit, like family and friends. For me, ideally, like i would if if I could go back, I would focus less time on putting such an emphasis on school. Yeah, you know, I would still graduate, don't get me twisted, but i would i wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't fucking. Do so at the expense of how much time I sacrificed to my family and friends. Like, I would prioritize more of my family and friends in retrospect. You know what I mean? And uh, I did it, despite however much unhappiness I experienced, okay? And because of that, it undoubtedly had, a, it had an effect on both of those relationships for me. You know what I mean? And that's not just me. That's everybody. That's cats in the cradle with the silver spoon. You know what I mean? It's just a, a tried and true life fucking, a life fucking uh, uh, truth, bro. And uh, what makes it more complicated is that, again, while I have the luxury of being able to have, so far at least, a benefit at seven years from that, you know, uh, time that I spent in graduate school specifically, uh, that's something that I'm only able to do because, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to still be alive right now, okay? (laughs) And uh, the reality is, is that it's basically... Uh, I don't want to say by chance, you know what I mean? But it's just never a given, dog. You know, we like to think to ourselves that we're going to live long, fucking happy lives up until our fucking elderly days when we die surrounded by our loved ones in our bed. But it's just as true that you could be fucking struck down at the age of 30, 34, 25, 22, all ages that I've lost people in my life. You know what I mean? And that's it, homie. Like the opportunity to do anything is gone. You know what I mean? So... I'm fortunate and I'm thankful that I'm at where I'm at right now. But imagine if I didn't get the opportunity to have these years because I had grinned and buried it all through graduate school. The only time that I had the the moment, the, the present moment at that time, you know what I mean. And I fucking completely put it aside in hopes for this future moment that didn't even exist at the time. You know what I mean? That would have fucking sucked because that would have been the only time that I would have had to you know experience the joy of my family and friends, and it was fucking wasted on something bullshit, some bullshit, like making sure I was fucking reading or had fucking completed a writing assignment. Like, nah, dog, that shit's not important, homie. You know what I mean? So um, it's just the point that I'm trying to make, essentially, is that it's never a guarantee. It's never a guarantee that we would live, to that we will live to see the life that we envision for ourselves. You know what I mean? Whenever the time may be. And that ignoring that life at the present moment to focus on the future is perhaps the greatest fucking... the, the greatest betrayal, if you will, specifically for Nietzsche, right, of life. It's At least I don't want to say, I, for sure, one of the greatest betrayals of life for Nietzsche, okay? And I guess me too, because I do fucking feel that way. You know what I mean? Anyways, uh, <laughs> the experience, that we're, the idea here is that the experience that we have doing so isn't some shit that should just be ignored. So like the unhappiness that you have when you're going through a tedious event in your life, whether it be school, work, a relationship, you know what I mean? That shit is not something that should just be ignored, dog. There's a reason why, okay? It's, it, it's causing a psychological distress, whatever it form it may partake in. You know, despair, dread, terror, anxiety, psychological despair, okay? And the reason is, is because it's trying to teach us something, dog. And uh, by ignoring the the, the distress that we're experiencing at that particular moment, we're basically ignoring the fucking lesson that is trying to be taught to us. You know what I mean? So what this doctrine of eternal recurrence is doing is it's going to flip the script and tell us, no, quit thinking about the future, this imagined future that doesn't even exist, and focus instead on this present moment that absolutely does exist. Focus on the fucking... Sequence the the sequential events that are occurring in your life right now and the you know the ensuing emotional states that they cause. Are they causing states of great joy and happiness and pleasure? Or are they causing states of immense psychological distress? Because if they're not, if they're causing the latter, ideally it's going to cause, especially if we allow these chains of events to, you know, pile on, they're going to cause us to live a life that's not really very desirable. And then when you do get visited by that demon, it's going to come to you and say, this life as you're living it, in every single fucking event, way, shape, or form, you're going to live it an infinitely many number of times. That's a terrifying and haunting fucking consideration, right? As opposed to that life where we're not experiencing psychological distress, but we are experiencing joy and happiness and pleasure instead. At which case we'd be like, fuck yeah, I can't wait to continue living this life an infinitely many number of times because I'm doing it correctly. And naturally, the only way that we could do so, at least according to Nietzsche, is by emphasizing the importance of every single fucking event of our present moment. Because again, it's all that we have, right? He's going to tell us that when an action is unbearable, we need to imagine ourselves having to suffer through it an infinitely many number of times. Again, to consider, worth, uh, to consider whether it's even worth suffering for even just once, you know? Um, And the idea here is that, well, this is not like directly from Nietzsche, but you, you can derive from this idea that this shit helps to build character, yo, or perhaps better stated, it helps to strengthen the heart and the face. And, you know, doing shit like saying no to the shit that makes us unhappy, it's a skill that, you know, many only wish to possess, despite the fact that every single one of us absolutely can develop this skill at any given moment. You know what I mean? You right now, today, at this moment, listening to this year right here, you can choose to be a more assertive person. You could choose to stand up for yourself. You can choose to fucking live the light, to live your truth. You know what I mean? It's something that we can all do at every given moment. It's not something that just an idealized person can do, and we live vicariously through them, never experiencing any of the real happiness and joy uh, inherent with you know the way that we imagine their. Uh, uh, doing so because of their ability to stand up for themselves, to be assertive, to go confidently in the direction of their dreams, if you will, and all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? You can do that right here, every single moment. But, you know, unfortunately, too often, we explain away this ability by simply appealing to the indefinite future, where we imagine the anger, the frustration, the pain, etc., will no longer exist. We say to ourselves, you know what, this fucking sucks right now. But if I can just grin and bear it, it won't suck in five years when I have my degree, when I have the promotion, when I have the relationship, et cetera. To which Nietzsche is saying, bro, you got this shit all twisted, dog, because you might not even be here in five years, homie. You're here right now. And if this shit is causing you fucking mad distress, it's for a reason. And you need to focus on that reason so that you can fucking alter it and you know flip, ideally, those those experiences because that's all you got, homie. They're all you got. So in this particular sense, then, I guess <laughs> we can understand why it's often said that Nietzsche is more of a psychologist, really, than a philosopher, and that, you know, this, this uh, doctrine of eternal recurrence, it's a prime example of why. Because it's asking us, essentially, to consider the merit of every moment, and that if ever there is one that is psychologically intolerable— that it should be rejected on the pain of having to experience it an infinite many number of times again. Now, um, this doctrine, it's important for, for many reasons, Doc, one of which being that it does a great job of justifying some of Nietzsche's more powerful and influential influential uh, philosophical beefs that, you know, they, they help us understand, if you will, the rationale behind them and his philosophy. And I guess perhaps the most important, again, is his critique of the diminution of life by religion, specifically Christianity for Nietzsche, okay? Um, because it's always telling motherfuckers to focus on the afterlife and not concern ourselves with this life, right? Which is absurd for Nietzsche because, you know, beyond his views on the will to power, about how all of life is the will to power, you know what I mean? It's a very life affirming. This is, you know, it's absurd to him because it's fucking weird to completely ignore this one life in favor for this indeterminate afterlife, given that this is the only life that we for sure know that we have, right? And um, his second beef, the most influential uh, philosophical beef that he has that, you know, this eternal recurrence helps explain is that with Hegel and Darwin, who both assume that life is evolving, if you will towards some higher purpose or order, okay? And that's just not true for Nietzsche, right? He feels as though life, you know, it simply just repeats back into himself, itself. Uh, Unlike unlike Hegel with his teleological unveiling of spirit and Darwin with his fucking survival of the fitness towards some evolutionary fucking uh, goal or whatever, right? It's not the case for Nietzsche, dog. Life is just simply repeating back into itself. So basically some more, some more nawa shit, dog, right? It's non-teleological and is non hierarchized okay? Now, suffice to say, when I first read this theory, dog, this shit really resonated with me, homie. Specifically the idea of reincarnation, because again, probably like you, it's something that I fucking have thought about plenty of times in life, you know what I mean? And while this isn't something that Nietzsche would probably condone, given that it would strip the present moment of its importance... It is, because if you live an infinitely many number of times, like, well, damn, this moment doesn't necessarily seem that important, right? Uh, well, in the sense that you can fucking, you know, uh, 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 have an inf- uh, uh, another chance to just do it all over again. But no, it's important for Nietzsche in the sense that you're going to live it w- the same moment over and over again. So you have to fucking put an importance on it, right? Um, anyways, it's something that I was always drawn to since childhood. And, you know, as I've discussed before, Nietzsche's not gospel, dog, and you could deviate from the shit that he talks about with no problem, right? Um, and anyways, even though for me, like, it was something that I was interested in, I never truly studied it until my early 20s. And, you know, <laughs> the reason why, in all honesty, was because of this wild, crazy-ass dream that I had, dog. Now, before I get into the dream, I guess it's important to first qualify it by stating that, you know... That afternoon before I had the dream, I was actually watching a documentary on the distinction between Stephen Hawking's views of physics and Leonard Susskind's views of physics, okay? And um, it was an interesting dream, dog. It was an interesting dream, dog, because that's where I learned about the doctrine of eternal recurrence, right? Uh, Even though I had never heard, I've never even read Nietzsche up until that point. I had this dream like in 2010. I didn't really start reading Nietzsche until 2011, right? And then, after that dream, bro, like for the next 10 years, basically, I was convinced that, you know, not only do we do incarnate, but that we would continue to do so an infinite many number of times until we get it right, if you will, right? And that well, in doing so, we'd be able to escape the cycle entirely. So, some typical Buddhist type shit, right? Despite the fact that, again, I wasn't really versed. The reason I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, you know I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, dog. What I'm trying to say is that. We have this idea that these fucking... We have this belief that these ideas are somehow reserved to like the special places of textbook as the only source of getting them from knowledge. But I don't think that's true, dog. I think there is so much knowledge that can, in fact, be gained in the dream world that the Western world has tried to convince us is fucking irrational. Like The Western world will have us believe that there is no such thing as a dream world and whatever knowledge that we get from the dreams isn't real knowledge. It's just fucking a hallucinatory event. And I just... I don't think that's true, dog. And in fact, um given the Nawa philosophy, I have no reason to believe that that's true. you know what I mean because the Nawa didn't distinguish between the sleeping realm and the, the sleeping consciousness and the waking consciousness and they just that they felt that the knowledge that we receive in the dream world was just as viable as the knowledge that we receive in the waking world, you know what I mean So I guess with that in mind, the, the basic idea here with the fucking dream was like, it was weird, dog. It really was weird. Uh, I remember the dream. I wrote it down. Like I remember like it was such a powerful dream that when I woke up, I was like, boom, I got to write this shit down. <clears throat> the, the, the part that really resonated with me is that I heard a voice, the, the voice of a girl, like a young girl, which uh, I would later come associate with my daughter, <laughs> right? Because she was due to be born around this time. And... Uh, I I I don't, I don't even I don't even know why I just associated with her dog, and uh, at first I was trying to ignore it in my sleep, but I remember it getting like louder and more consistent. Okay, and it sometimes it became something of a mantra even what she was telling me, dog. Until you know it finally managed to wake me up from my from my dream, and basically the mantra was psychic determinism based on the black hole theory. Right. So again, I was fucking watching this whole <laughs> documentary with Susskind and Hawkins. And I wake up from this dream, you know, I wrote down a time. It was at 7.31 a.m. on September 27th, 2010, right? And all I was saying to myself is psychic determinism based on the black hole theory, right? To further qualify this, at the same time that I was, you know, that this was going down, I was actually taking a philosophy of religion class, right? it's my first philosophy class, the fall semester of 2010. And... Uh, I remember at that time that we were we were going over the attributes of God, okay, and we began discussing God as necessary, and the prospect of what I have, you know, this idea of God is necessary. This is what I associated with the notion of psychic de- determinism, okay, and it's not something that is going to be found like in a textbook per se, because that's just how it helped me personally make sense of what the fuck I was trying, what I was, what I was intellectualizing by the idea of God is necessary, okay? And uh, the basic idea is that, you know, you start with A and B, and you get to C and D, and that you cannot get to D without first having been to C, and that without B, we would not be able to get to C, and that without A, none of it would have even been possible in the first place, right? And that thus, this in turn renders A as necessary, and all the rest as mere possibilities, okay? Okay. So this is basically like the grandfather effect, if you will, in quantum physics. This is a necessary thing that must occur or else everything else will not occur for certain, right? And even if it does occur, everything else that does occur after it is just a matter of possibility. It's not a given. It's not for sure. Uh, I remember like, you know, as I was was contextualizing this, I couldn't help think to myself, think to myself at the time that if this is all true, you know, how do we explain karma, bro? Because if... All of life's events are merely singularities, you know, predetermined by the necessary, the A, the starting condition. How can the notion of it coming back around be considered a piece of the puzzle? Now, the reason the idea of karma really started to like, it really fucked with me when I was learning about this kind of shit is because the idea of karma implies the idea of rebirth. You'd have to be able to be reborn again, you know what I mean, in order for karma to be able to take hold. And if we have these fucking necessary causal, necessary and causally related events, ideally that would imply that we would, it would somewhere within that chain of sequences from point A, now let's go all the way to Z. Inevitably, it would have to imply the ability to be able to reincarnate because if you weren't able to reincarnate, then it would fucking completely dispel the idea of karma. You know what I mean? So then my mind started to wonder to art to myself like well then how the fuck is 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 karma possible then without reincarnation and if that's the case is reincarnation actually possible and can it be fucking uh, 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 can it be you know detracted from these causally related events which are you know justified by physics which tells us that there was an initial big bang for instance you know what I mean and that everything that occurs after that is a, is a series of fucking you know determined events that are causally related. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> and going back to this dream dog, that's when I started to realize like, oh shit, this is this is kind of what it's trying to tell me this psychic determinism. But it's not necessarily psychic determinism so much as it is this fucking this this, this premeditated sequence of events that you're just going to constantly fucking be fluctuating through. You know what I mean? And in terms of the uh, uh, the idea of of reincarnation, it's actually not as absurd as it may sound to be because these actions that we engage in they dispel energy, okay? And this is where that whole fucking Leonard Susskind and you know Stephen Hawking shit comes in. Energy is released, you know. Energy is it, it's expounded and it, it's sent somewhere. It doesn't dissipate. Energy does not dissipate. It never gets fucking. It never ceases to exist, right? And if what we're told about black holes is true, they suck up all energy, all information. So in my mind, back in 2010, I was thinking to myself, like, does that mean that the actions that we engage in here on Earth, the energy that they release, it's going to get sucked back into this black hole? Anyways, this is awesome shit that I'm looking to fucking work on for another podcast at some other day the implications between the black hole wars, if you will, between Leonard Susskind and Stephen Hawking. And I'll further elaborate on that idea when the time comes. But for now, I guess the most important thing is just to state that for the longest time, I was convinced that, you know, we cycle in and out this bitch an infinitely many number of times. And that the goal essentially was to, you know, again, to get it right so that we could escape this fucking cycle and, you know, not have to experience it ever again. That was fucking 10 years ago, homie, or fucking 12 years ago at this point. You know what I mean? And a lot changes in that time, you know what I mean? Not just the ideas of cycling back in and out of, you know, a uh, reality, but, you know, this notion of trying to escape reality to begin with. Because now, you know, back then I wasn't a Christian, but I, was, I only had a Christian framework to understand reality because I hadn't even began to... I didn't even know what the fuck indigenizing was back then, you know what I mean? Uh, and because of that, I only had that one framework to operate within. And now I don't see... Um, there's there is no there is just there there's just this. You know what I mean? As a I, I am a monist. I can I can gladly express that. And that as a monist, you know, there is nothing to escape from. There is only reality. You know what I mean? And perhaps most importantly, I am a life affirmer. I would like to consider myself a life affirmer. And because of that, I don't necessarily see the need to want to escape this because as fucking chaotic as life may be, it's still pretty fucking awesome. You know what I mean? And uh I guess perhaps most importantly. Uh, it was the death of my brother that really, really fucking just learning when he had cancer first for the first time like three years ago. That's what really like completely undid this belief in at the time of uh, a, a, a eternal recurrence in me. And the reason being is because, you know, <laughs> I couldn't, I just couldn't make sense of how uh, something like that could happen to him, you know. And uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just weird because he was such a good dude, man, and he didn't deserve to go out the way that he did. And the idea that he would have to continue to do so an infinite many number of times, it really fucked with me, dog. So much so that I got to the point where I just I just gave up on the idea entirely because I was like, this this just doesn't make sense, man. That, you know, again, at least for my brother, it didn't make sense that he would have to suffer so needlessly, seemingly needlessly for the, for the entirety of eternity. You know what I mean? But then some shit happened like just one week ago, dog. Literally, just one week ago. I guess maybe like two weeks ago now, okay? But I learned about it one week ago. And what it was is this news about this fucking energy that's been able to escape a black hole for the first time, okay? Well, not for the first time. Let me let me be very clear about what happened. There was news that for the first time, the Hubble telescope for NASA shot on NASA Project Bluebeam. Uh, for the first time, it spotted a 500 light-year-long umbilical cord for baby stars, Right? Which lends credence to the idea that energy can escape black holes, which is fucking hugely important for this fucking dream that I'm telling you about, and the whole idea of psychic determinism. Because basically, what it was again is this notion that energy is entered into a black hole, and that this black hole is the impetus for the birth of a new, for, for like the, the impetus for the Big Bang, essentially, right? And that if all the energy is stored in there, then it just stands to reason that it's going to be, it could be retracted from there, and if it's retracted from there, it could be pieced together and made a hole once more. Meaning that your life, my life, and all the sequential actions of events can in fact take place one more once more, you know what I mean so um <laughs> this is why for me, I was reading this shit, and I was like yo, that's that's a fucking trip dog, like this is exactly what it was that I was fucking that I was dreaming about that that you know about how it is about this eternal recurrence ideas and all that you know what I mean, and uh if this information can in fact escape the black holes dog, then you know. It's possible that if they themselves are responsible for the creation of the universe, it gives me hope that maybe in some way, dog, it implies that, you know, it will contain the information not just of our rebirth, you know, but an infinite not just of our rebirth once, but an infinite many number of times moving forward, because it does imply that I will in fact get to see my brothers my brother once more, an infinite many number of times. You know what I mean? And obviously it brings true for Nietzsche's eternal recurrence as well anyways in conclusion man (laughs) we're just finding this fucking sad boy emo shit down to a fucking end you know what i mean uh i guess now more than ever i've been renewed with this fucking newfound hope that again not only will my brother reincarnate in the form that i've known him but that he'll have the opportunity dog perhaps even to alter his fate right the nawa tell us yeah we have the opportunity to alter our fate you know what i mean and you know if doing so it implies that maybe he won't necessarily meet the same demise okay He'll have the ability to make different choices. He won't join the fucking Marines. He won't, you know, uh, get stationed where he's going to be exposed to hazardous chemicals and all that other kind of shit. And that because of that, he'll have the ability to, you know, alter his fate in the sense that he won't die just so fucking painfully from cancer. You know what I mean? Or maybe not, dog. You know, maybe not. Maybe this is all just copium on my behalf. Maybe it's hopium. Maybe it's a little bit of both. I don't know. All I know is that as I've studied many times, as i stated many times, this philosophy shit, it, it, it's its a very powerful tool that can help us deal with more than in life than just figuring out what two plus two equals and why. You know what I mean? This can be a very comforting tool, philosophy can. And for me personally, this Nietzschean philosophy is not just some of the most comforting, but it's some of the most influential philosophy because it helps me contextualize the importance of every single fucking... It just helps me in a lot of ways, dog. Like, if I can go back in time I would spend more time with my brother. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't have focused so much on graduate school. I'm glad I did because it, it's afforded me the opportunity to give you this podcast, but I could have got C's and still ended up where I'm at today, dog. You know what I mean? Uh, if I could go back in time, I could do all, all kinds of shit, but I can't do that. I only have this present moment right here, right now. And what I can do now is, you know, use this doctrine of eternal recurrence and, you know, as a, as a way to measure the actions that i do want to engage in so that hopefully if i do have this future where i'm able to look back on where i am at the current moment i won't be doing so with fucking lament and regret as you know the case with my brother and perhaps most importantly that if it is fucking true then it does mean that we will fucking reincarnate an infinite many number of times and that i will in fact get to see and hold and be with my brother again once more right and um yeah i guess this is about as good a point as any to go ahead and wrap this bitch up As always, I hope you enjoyed it, and if not, I hope you find something that you do. Until then, I hope you all have a great day, night, evening, whenever the fuck it is that you're listening to this, and I'll catch you next time. Peace.